Hello again, friends, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of My Life in Miniatures. Apparently, like most podcasts, if they make it to a third season, if they get to like 20 plus episodes, not 20 episodes, but 20 plus episodes, and this will be 21, that's like it's cemented in podcasting legend and well, I don't know about that but anyway I'm still here I'm back hello I am John I am your host for uh the third season of my life in miniatures mlim there you go I'm saying it early this season uh we've got a great show for you today we've got uh my old mucker from uh my days at games workshop Mr Chris Peach or Peachy as he is known to pretty much everyone on the internet um a little bit more about him shortly how have you been I've um, I've been alright, yeah, how have you been getting on? I hope you've been having fun, I hope since last you heard my dulcet tones, you've got much hobby completed, lots of projects done, lots more started, you bought loads of shiny plastic and you're excited about a new year, it's 2023, it is an exciting year, I think it's a very exciting year, um, what have I been doing? I've been painting a little bit, I haven't done much, um, I did do Gone Demon, so if you go back to the last episode of season two, um, it was all about Golden Demon and I was in Golden Demon preparation mode and I took six things and I got ticket entry number one. I was the very first person to submit anything and I'm counting that as a win because I did pretty terribly. Um, well, I did all right. I got a pin. I got another pin. One out of six got a pin. So that's my fourth pin from Golden Demons in my life, which... I am happy about, I know I should be happy about, but I genuinely thought I might be able to sneak something this year. Um, I thought, yeah, you know what? There's some sleepy categories, right? Like Jewel. Who enters Jewel? No one enters Jewel. Or, um, you know, small scale stuff or Middle Earth. And do you know what? Every single category was jam packed to the rafters with some of the most amazing miniatures I have ever seen in my life. Um, I was lucky to get my pin. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I also tried to record a special for this podcast and it did not go well. Um, I recorded loads of little clips of audio. People might have seen me there. Uh, if you know what I look like, most people don't, that's a good thing. Um, but if you saw me there sort of speaking into my phone, I was recording loads of stuff and I was going to do a special and I didn't ever publish it. I've still got all the audio files for it. I didn't publish it because it just made me sound like a self-aggrandizing wanker, which would have been okay if I'd picked up a trophy, but I was so, so far from trophy that um, it just made me look like a dickhead, so I didn't do it. Um, but yeah, that was my Gondeman experience. It was a lot of fun. It was amazing to see the stuff. I, uh, I urge you, if you haven't already and I know it was a while ago so you probably have but if you haven't seen all the entries try and find them online especially Chris Clayton's Slayer Sword winning piece because uh the second I saw that I just I I knew that was gonna win knew it I knew it and I've got recordings that back me up on that as well so I can I can publish those one day um but yeah and then of course we've got a new Gone Demon coming this year uh, it's going to be, um, what, like, uh, late May, early June. Um, and I would be really excited about that, but I can't go. Um, as much as I love Golden Demon and I would love to work on something for it, I can't go. Um, I didn't even try getting a ticket, but I've got a good reason, which is 
I'm having a baby. Well, I'm not personally pregnant at the moment, but my partner is, um, and this is due very much around that sort of time frame. And um, I think I would be dead to both partner and child if I missed the, the birth for a painting competition. So um, uh, while you are having fun uh, at Golden Demon, if you are going, I shall be changing diapers. Um, or nappies, as we call them here in the UK. Don't know why I went American with that, but I did. Let's move on briskly. Uh, so because of that, because of the impending uh, baby John, or, or, well, she's not going to be baby John, or, well, anyway. Because of the impending baby, season three is going to look a bit different this year. So what I'm planning to do is I've got a couple of shows already recorded, and we've got a couple of other guests lined up and then I'm going to see where I'm at because obviously I now have to do things like painting a nursery and spending all my time shopping for baby stuff, which is way more fun than you think it would be, by the way. Um, so I've got to do all of that. And obviously I've got to go to like antenatal classes and, and learn to be a new dad and that sort of stuff. And that's going to take time. Uh, and then obviously I'm going to have small child who isn't particularly going to want to hear me shouting into a microphone um, and it will not be conducive to not having to cut every five seconds because the child will be crying and I'm trying to record with a guest. So there's a lot to work out. But what it means is my plan for this season is this season is going to run the year. OK, now it might still only be 10 episodes. I'm going to try and get at least five out in over the next five weeks. That's the plan. Five to six weeks, let's say. Beyond that, I'm making no promises about whether this is going to still be weekly or monthly or if it's going to be a couple of months or what's going on. But season three of My Life in Miniatures is essentially 2023. And however many shows come out over that over this year, that will be the third season. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's all you need to know about that. I'm very excited, both about this podcast and also the baby. Um, I'm also excited because I've got some games lined up. I'm going to be going back to playing some Warhammer Underworlds and some Blood Bowl. Notice how I'm picking games that do not take four hours because I might have a chance of being able to make them at some point in the future. So yeah, I'm, I'm psyched about that. Uh, you won't hear me being psyched on Twitter because I have left Twitter. If you listen to the old episodes and you hear me say, oh, go check me out on Twitter, I don't exist on Twitter anymore um, because fuck Elon Musk and fuck giving him any money based on adverts that I see. So I'm not doing that. He's an awful, awful creature. Uh, so where can you find me? Well, uh, there's obviously heresyandheroes.com, which uh, is uh, has just had its best year ever. Um, most successful in terms of the amount of people who have been looking at stuff, which is incredible. Uh, and thank you for everyone who has looked at posts and liked posts and things like that. Uh, I'm still on Instagram. Uh, I know Meta are not necessarily that much better than Twitter, but you know, you've got to be on some social media and uh, you can find me at my underscore life underscore in underscore miniatures on Instagram. And uh, if you're one of these people who are into the Mastodon, uh, which I keep calling Woolly Mammoth because I think it's funnier and they should have used that name instead. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon. I am heresy heroes at warhammer.social. Uh, I don't post a lot to it at the moment, but I will if, you know, I get a bit more sort of, I don't know, impetus to do so. I will try and do more there. Uh, so I'm still around. You can still find me. Uh, I'm just not on Twitter anymore. Um, thank God. Uh, right. Today's guest. I've waffled on about me for a good eight minutes there. So um, let's get on to Peachy. 
um, who, my former colleague, uh, the man who I spent many a, well, probably hour when you add it all together, in the um, kitchen making teas. Well, he made tea, I made coffee. Um, but, but you know, the tea and coffee drinkers get on rather well at, at Games Workshop because we, we don't sort of, you know, we're, we're farming different fields, if you like. Um, Beachy has, is no longer at uh, Games Workshop, as you may well have seen. Uh, you can find him on YouTube uh, on the painting phase. Uh, go and search for that. It's a great channel. Lots of lots of army painting and speed painting focused stuff, and uh, some very cool hobby chats. They had a great interview with uh, Bob Naismith. If you don't know who Bob Naismith is, he's uh, one of the people responsible for the Space Marine. Um, so that's well worth checking out. Uh, you can also find uh, Chris Peach on Instagram. Go to Peachy Tips, which I think it's like underscore, underscore, peachy, underscore, tips, underscore, underscore. Um, but if you just search for Peachy Tips, that's P-E-A-C-H-Y-T-I-P-S, uh, you will find him there. You will see a lovely illustration of him uh, pop up. And uh, I do urge you to follow him because he's doing lots of really cool work. Um, and don't forget also, and I'm saying this again because I'm not on Twitter and because this season is going to be a little bit disjointed in terms of how many episodes come out at what time but if you do not want to miss any whether you're listening to me on apple google spotify uh, audible or anywhere else where you may find uh, this podcast um i think i missed a couple of big ones out there but you'll know if you're listening to me now you found me somehow so well done you um or you can head over to heresyandhero.com um for the RSS feeds, you can find the uh, podcast link in the top navigation at heresyandheroes.com and all the podcasts are there. Uh, but if you are listening on Apple, Google, Spotify or Audible, do be sure to um, subscribe or, you know, however you do that, put the little check mark next to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. When it becomes a little bit more disjointed as the year goes on, um, you won't miss out. So, uh, yeah, that's a long enough ramble, I think. Uh, anything else I have to say? I suppose Happy New Year. Um, I hope you... Well, I don't do New Year's, New Year's resolutions. I did one, I think it was like 2007, which was never make any more New Year's resolutions. And I've been sticking to that one. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, well, whatever. I hope you're doing well. As, as always... I'm waffling, and I don't know how to end the introduction segment, but I'm just going to do it now, because coming right in just a couple of seconds is going to be my fantastic chat with uh, the hobby legend that is uh, Chris Peach, Peachy. Enjoy. Peachy, lovely to have you here on the show. How are you, you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me, John. Long time no see or hear. Indeed, it's yes, it's been a while. It's been a while, but it's very nice to to see your face and hear your voice again. <laughs> um, we're going to start talking about your life in miniatures um, because you have a long, storied, and even often videographed um, <laughs> story history with miniatures. So, um, I suppose the the question to ask first is, how did it all start? How did you get into miniatures in the first place? Ooh, if I was to take you to a journey back to 1984, not the book by George Orwell, obviously, oh, but I, I was a four-year-old. I uh, saw my dad playing with toy soldiers because he was in the, the services. He was in the army. Um, it was in Germany at the time. 
And I felt a bit like Godzilla because I'd gone into the front room and there was all these like models set up. I think it was a lot of airfix stuff and whatever. Yeah. And he had, he had his mates over. I now understand why my dad was quite anxious when I was walking through like Godzilla on onto all his metal yes, figures. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would but, be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why well, <laughs> anyone would? Um, and I was taking. I was just like fell in love with it. And I think on the back of that, because he. he saw there was a keen interest he gave me a couple of like what were i suppose nowadays health and safety police will get involved with like lead miniatures that you could cast yourselves on like mm. a frying pan it used to be like mm. little molds that you get like lead ingots and then you'd like melt on the frying pan and pour in and there was like lots of napoleonic stuff and he gave me like a french hussar and like some i think it was uh, a french imperial guard uh seaman like they, they had like a special unit of like navy marine guards oh, right. okay um and i just painted them up with like I think Humbrol enamel paints. Yeah, yeah, I remember Humbrol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had my own little paint set, and you know we're talking like yeah four to five, then six, and then we eventually moved to back to England after the after that, and yeah, um, we, I was always into you know, like historical stuff because I kept getting like toys for Christmas and stuff. I was like, oh, I'd like some more toy soldiers, please. Yeah. And then my brother Mark was very much into D and D, and he uh, went down to a place called in Derby was called Amazing Golden Games and somewhere called Games Workshop. Right. And you'd flip between those, and I used to go with them, and you'd see all the, like these knights and goblins and stuff. And I guess that's really where my my love for fantasy and sci-fi kind of spouted from. Really, was seeing all these not just like French and British Napoleonics, but then like goblins and orcs and elves and stuff. And then we got Hero Quest for Christmas, which was what amazing. a gateway game that was. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. There's not many of those these days, like big gateway games. They need to be like making a comeback. I mean, someone needs to get on that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if you've seen recently, this is a complete aside, but um, so I think they're a French company. They've released a game with the Disney IP, so it's all... Oh! And it's a a hex grid, Hmm. and you get a band of sort of three or four Disney characters, and as they uh, battle against each other, they uh, can inspire and get better, and essentially it's a Disney version of Warhammer Underworld. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing! Um, So hopefully that'll be a gateway game. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Good old Disney, and well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure the the lawyers will be looking closely for similarities, but um, sure. we'll move on from that. But um, okay, so you you discover Games Workshop. Um, tell me about your dwarf hammerers. Oh yeah, so I would so I I'd, I'd got like lots of hand me down stuff from my brother, and every now and again, in pocket money, I'd get bits and bobs here. But the first time I got into actually collecting an army, my dad just rocked up. I finished school. I come back, and I think my dad just made this call, going, "We're going to collect two armies each, or an army each." And yeah. I got back home, and he was like, "Here's a blister pack. I want you to paint those up because I'm going to start playing uh, Warhammer." And I was like, oh, "Warhammer? I've got the box set. We're going to get that because it was like coming up to Christmas, so that was going to be the Christmas present, which yeah. was the Saurus uh, Lizardmen versus Bretonian set." But yeah. I'd, I'd got this black bliss pack of dwarf hammerers and um that was just a treat so i really enjoyed painting those then when i finished them he got me another pack obviously at the time we weren't really savvy or conscious of like unit sizes and unit types he then got me some slayers and some long beards nice back, back in the day it was a pack of four so i had four slayers four long beards four hammerers and then uh i i think because the fat hammerers were the first ones i painted i fell in love with their aesthetic just yes. like you know, big chainmail, big beardy guys with big old hammers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that I think they will always stick with me as my fondest 
uh, Metal or even any uh, Games Workshop miniature because it was the first one which was like, this isn't like your brother's that's got like several coats of enamels on it or whatever. This is uh, fresh from the packet. It's yours. Paint up how you want and then we'll start playing games with them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so even though I'd like Saurus and he had uh, Bretonians when that set, we got that set for Christmas, I started straight on. I got the Dwarf Army book and then started building up my Dwarf Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that was... And I think I've, I've got a strong love for dwarfs, all things dwarfs. It will never yeah. go, never no. go. Your first army's always special, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah. Which is probably why I hate orcs. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that would be it, yes. And those dwarf hammers, were they, they were actually painted with proper acrylic paints, were they? Or? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we got, um, I think at the time it was, uh, we had like loads of random um, acrylics here and there that were built up. Um, yeah. Like, because I remember having some of the old Citadel ones when we were painting uh, yeah. bits and bobs for Hero Quest. He had like Swamp Brown and Worm Purple and Shining Gold and Lovely, yeah. Chain Mail and stuff like that. But we'd gone to workshop just to specifically get like a little hobby set which had 10 paints in it, some clippers. Um, and of course, you know, as a kid, those 10 paints got used a lot. I, uh, that's why I learned a bit more about mixing, even though I was like doing lots of art stuff at school, moved yeah. on to college, started to understand like color theory a bit more. But um, mm-hmm. during those early days, it was like, I want a lighter green. So I'm going to add more yellow to this green or mix this blue with this yellow to make it even lighter or whatever. So yes, yeah. as individuals, they weren't as uniform as they could be, but it was a lot of learning and having fun. Yeah. Well, they're they're each individual warriors, aren't they? They can be a little yes. bit different. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, I quite like it seeing a bit of variation in the unit. Yeah, um, and of course the old little uh, boss on the fist, where you have like the little round shield that will connect yeah, to it, so you could do some cool yeah. shield designs. I miss them. I remember those the dwarf warriors who had the uh, you used to get a, a box of ten plastic ones. Oh yes, uh, yeah, all in the same pose with the axe over the head yeah. and the shield, and just those shields. I. I was finding those shields for years. <laughs> I didn't really get on very well with painting dwarves. <laughs> no, well, well. The shields well, kept turning up all over the place. Was, uh... A, a favourite unit of mine that my dad dubbed the uh, postman. He called them the postman. Oh, yeah. um, so I got a set of long beards, and I think it was a birthday present where I got like three packs of long beards and a pack of long beard command. So they had the flat top sort of helmets with like the yeah, chainmail, yeah. and had like lots of surcoats. And I painted them red with like yellow trim, and and because we had loads of Bretonian transfers, I put like a a rampant lion on the shield, yeah. and they just looked like Royal Mail vans. So my dad kept calling them the postman whenever we thought he's like, oh god, it's the postman again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I could imagine a, a grumpy long beard trudging, <laughs> no delivering letters or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more grudges yeah. to deliver. <laughs> Let's talk about another one of your early favourites then. Um, you show me the photos of these, and they uh, they brought back a lot of memories for me. Yeah. This was a, a, a favourite of mine when I was younger as well. Uh, tell me about your Clan Escher miniature. Escher, yeah. So we got. I think my brother James got um, Necromunda for Christmas. It was like yeah. a Christmas, a couple of Christmases later. Mm. Um, and inside that, you get Delac and Orlocks plastics. And I wasn't really taken with them. And then in the book, there was these really cool. Best described Amazon rock chicks. Yes. Although I think um, it was Goliath and Orlock to be a bit um Oh, sorry, what did I say? What did I say? Delac. Uh Delac, uh, or as I used to call him, Delacue, because I couldn't pronounce Delacue. it properly. Delacue. Oh, well, well, yes, you're right. <laughs> 
Goliath and all. Like, I can't believe I got that wrong. No, it's oh, all right. Smash me in the face. Well, it's just, but a, yes. you know, people will correct us if we don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. It's a good job you're there to police the words. In my yeah. head, I saw big muscular men, but obviously what came out was like gangly looking bold guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit like me. In my head, I'm a muscular man, but in reality, a gangly-looking bold guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, back to the Escher, then. Yes, yeah. So um, I saw in the in the book because there's the source book and the rule book. You you, you get a couple of colour plates on the inside of the covers and yeah. a couple of little sections here and there. I was like, they look mega. And weirdly, at the time, Virgin Mega Stores used to stock uh, Games Workshop product, and I don't know why. Yeah. I didn't go to workshop to get Eshes. I was walking, well, I think we were in Virgin Megastores and I had some birthday money or some Christmas money left over. It was yeah. definitely the same Christmas time when James got um, Decamunda. And I was like, oh, they're cool. I want to get them. I want to get them. And mum was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I bought them and I just hugged them all the way home. And I think even had the, the rule book or the source book that had the pictures on it. I was like, how am I going to paint them? Yeah. And when yeah. I got home, I decided I was going to paint them exactly as they are on the box cover. Um, uh, even to the fact that the lead has like a bit of a rainbow hair punk. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I thoroughly enjoy painting them. And it was the time when I was still undercoating things white. And yeah. I would say um, that that box set was a step change in my painting because I was so precious over them. I started to take more time on like yeah. being neat, um, making the skin pop a bit more, even to the fact of like doing stuff with the eyes. Cause before it was just like, I won't even bother with the eyes. Yeah. Um, makeup and stuff so um yes uh Necromunda is one of those games that will always be a fond favorite but eshers weirdly and it's not the fact that just like they're warrior women that i mean i'm always a big fan of warrior women anyway but course, it was that yeah. kind of like the brightness of them the the look the style it was very different um very it, 80s punk yeah yeah mm-hmm. like some weird mad max clan but like for yeah. uh, 40k it was great and yeah and then after that i got things like vansars and stuff but nothing would ever be the ashes i always loved the story and I, i'm sure it's a myth and not true although i can <laughs> see it being true that when they were coming up with the idea for ideas for necromunda they said we need six Six gangs, and they just dispatched John Blanche off to Bugman's, where he sat there for half an hour, sketched out the the six concepts for the original six gangs, and came back and they went, "Yep, perfect." And because I think the Escher, especially, they just sort of come straight out of his brain, really. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. No, he is a yeah. mad but super creative, talented guy, isn't he? So he is indeed. And um, well, yeah. Was good. Did you have a one particular favorite model among that? Those yes. Those um i i think it was because it was one of my early conversions so the leader because i'd played a couple of games because there was my dad who had delax so yeah. oldie gangly guys this time he did get a set of Galax. delax yeah uh my brother james carried on with the goliath side of stuff and i think all ox as well because it was his set yeah because yeah. Um, we played some games and got used to like the campaign system and like watching warriors die and stuff i managed to on the rare trade chart get a power axe and at that point, I had like random bits. Sometimes you get like the plastic sprue of power weapons. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to convert of a power axe. And it was like, the, if you were to look back at it now, and I've probably still got her in a case for the attic, she yeah. has a pointy finger. So what I did was I got like some pliers and bent that pointy finger to look like it was part of her fist again. Right. And then just stuck the top part of the axe on one bit and the bottom half of the axe underneath. And I was like, 
she's got a power axe now Lovely. and she was devastating and that was like one my favorite paint job two my favorite conversion and then a couple of games later she died and lost the power axe and i was gutted <laughs> it's one of the wonderful things about necromunder especially is just that you know when they die you actually feel it oh yeah yeah campaign, you're yeah like, oh, but they were my favorite and now... you, you get so attached to your characters yes. it's unbelievable you really do it's uh yeah so after your show obviously there's um you know you you can you continue to grow up as we all do yeah um, kind of <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to do painting or or the hobby for a, a job i think that was by accident weirdly no nice. i know it sounds mad so i yeah it was an accident um i really enjoyed painting and i used to do it a lot and i think because um I was quite isolated because in the middle of the countryside, we lived in the middle of the countryside. It was just me and my dad. Evenings, we used to sit and paint. And I learned a lot from what my dad did because there was a podcast with Wade I did a long time ago. My dad had suffered a stroke in the 90s. And um, he obviously, he was left-handed at the time. It affected his left-hand side. So it was very weak. Mm. So he started to try and use his other hand. And dry brushing became his tool to go to and i watched yeah. what he did and at first i was always under the impression dry brushing was a bit naff and you don't get great results but just seeing my dad's progression of dry brushing and i can get some really interesting results and that was really sort of the early days of like me understanding speed painting taking some of those things that my dad's done introducing it to my painting yeah. and then i went through college did a few like part-time jobs here and there and then got to university and the job i had which was like in retail um a company called quicksave which was like a supermarket yeah I got made redundant because the company just went into uh, liquidation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, you've been working here for five years. Here's 500 quid. I was like, wow, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, when you're a student, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I had that cash and I got a student loan, so I was able to get a motorcycle. And then one day I just walked past Games Workshop Derby and I used to go in every now and again anyway with like pocket money and like the money yeah. I've earned. Um, and a guy called Matt Baxter, who worked, I don't know if he still works for the business now or not. He was mm-hmm. just, I got chatting. He was like, have you ever thought of a job working here? I was like, not really, no. He was like, oh, should apply because we've got some vacancies coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, Chris Pritchard, who was the store manager at the time, I used to see him a lot, like if I was going to Knotts or whatever to do like certain things with college and uni. Because yeah. um, he was, I think he worked for Fry Lane for a time as a full-time and then got Derby as, as the, uh, the his managerial store. Yeah. He interviewed me. He really liked me. Got a job. Um, it was quite a steep learning curve because I never really played games professionally. I say professionally, taught people how to play games. But yeah. one of the things that was really highlighted was my speed and my love for painting. So it became quite evident that they wanted me to paint lots of stuff for the cabinets. And because I had quite a prolific nature of like banging out units and finding quick ways to do it, again, from watching my dad and learning the things he did and learning the things I did in isolation because – like there wasn't videos, there wasn't YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it was, no, there wasn't. No. Make a mistake, learn from it. Make a mistake, yeah. learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my learning curve was all mistakes and learning from them. But you know, I got into the store, started doing the stuff for the cabinets, and then lo and behold, the story developed. I went to Warhammer World and a job came up for something called an army painter. Um, and I was like, Oh, that sounds fun. I like painting armies. Uh I applied for the job, I got the job, and I think they were the best years of my life at Games Workshop, working yeah. with the esteemed Dave Andrews, Mark Jones, Neil Hodgson, who doesn't work there anymore. He was a very creative artist guy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, what a team. And I learned so much from Dave 
Neil and uh, Mark uh, from like yeah. scenery, army painting, color theory. Just between the three of them, they were just so knowledgeable and just. Yeah, like, I think most of the stuff I I teach in videos or know is not. Some of it's the mistakes I've learned, but a lot of it is stuff that they've gone. Ah, I see what you're doing there. What I've learned over the years is to do this. I'm like, that's much quicker. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the weird army painting journey. Was I like painting? Oh, there's a job. Oh, apparently I'm good at painting. Here's a job. Oh, cool. Yeah, brilliant, perfect. Hey, hey. Sometimes it just happens, and yeah, um, all works out. Um, all well, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose that that brings us neatly on, actually, because I want to talk to you about. Well, I suppose it's it's technically three armies, um, but three that I think you're known for. Um, first off, how did the Ventrillian nobles come about? <laughs> oh, that was just one random project we had in the office. The Every now and again, they'd go, hey, we're doing a, a sort of battle force challenge. Anyone up for it? Mm-hmm. And to encourage a lot of non-hobbyists to get into the hobby and also just to push yourself as a hobbyist and just have a bit of fun, you'd get um, given a battle force. And the theory was... If you didn't get it painted by this deadline, you had to pay for it. No one ever did. But it was like that incentive to like, you know, hey, if you don't hit this goal, then you have to pay for the battle force. And I went, you know what? I fancy doing something different for the Ashmiller time. I had a large um, Imperial Guard arm at the time. and I just wanted to do something a bit different. Yeah. At the same time as well, there was a lot of Cadians must be this color. They must be green armor and beige. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a bit dull. And I was a bit like, I want to do something different. And because I had an Empire army, I was currently doing uh, empire i think at the time for work anyway um i started combining like bits and looking and going you know what i really like napoleonics and i really like astra militarum maybe i could try and theme the two because yeah. my my theory is like there's a lot of art where they're all in like ranks i've read a lot of gaunt's ghost novels so that there's a a, a a section i forget which novel it is now but they have to get a bunch of them have to go back to basic training mm-hmm. and they, they don't have the TANF uniforms. They're in like this horrible brown or gray outfit. And they're all just ranked together with all these other guys. And it just looks like a Napoleonics with machine guns, World War One kind of style. And they're just getting mullered and explosions are taking out hundreds of guys. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, that'd be quite cool to have like ranks of like bright colored uniformed warriors. Um, so I just started like playing around, put an outrider head um, on the model. And weirdly at the time as well, um, white dwarf are very conscious of commercial awareness which is don't buy a kit for one small lens you know if you bought like this massive riptide kit for one small lens that's not not many people can do that guys be be right. commercially aware so i was like well i'm already collecting this army you get five cavalry pistoliers outriders and in that set you get 16 heads so i'll get 11 spare so i was like oh this is a good way of being commercially aware because i've got two armies so yeah. I, was, I was very sort of mindful of that at the time mm-hmm. uh, and then, yeah, just I did a, a magenta cut. I, I think the new colours had come out, and I found this colour scheme, which was using Screamer Pink, highlighting with a pink horror, and then using what was Blood Letter, which was a glaze at the time, gave a really nice yeah. mag, sort of burgundy red magenta kind of yeah. tone. And I really liked it. And I was like, I'm going to incorporate that. And then gave him black lacquered armour, because I'd done a lot of that on my um, outdoor farming, which I did for the um, sixth or seventh edition rulebook yeah. uh, for Empire. Um, and I just thought the two married really well together. They just gave him white gloves, white trousers. And I was like, it's kind of like a mix of like baddies from um, Flash Gordon and also Napoleonics. I was like, I really like this. 
And then I started like converting, doing like as if the artillery were like cannon pieces. So the guys are wheeling them, started getting a bit like flamboyant with the the, the posing and then going, lots of feathers, just do lots of feathers. That just looks cool because yeah. shakos have like big plumes. So I can use that as like unit identification. Really? And then, yeah, they're just really well received. And uh, Wade in the end wanted them in his codex because at the time he was product developer, he was like, I want them in the codex because they're cool. Uh, they got put in the codex. And then over the time, I just started adding like units here and there and, it bit weirdly, you know, seeing people in the community just doing the eventually nobles as well. So it just came from yeah. an idea of just a head simple head swap and using my Napoleonic knowledge and combining the two and having a bit of fun. And I've never looked back since. And recently I've been doing that noble vember where I've got I've I basically just made a load of different star eventually nobles, but using the old Empire states. Yeah, yeah. Uh because so, someone challenged me on Twitter and I was like, that sounds fun. And at least two of those colours I now want to do in the new year as a new astromilitarum army. So Brilliant. it's inspired me to do something different. Good. So, yeah. Well, that's excellent. Well, yes, because your your love of the Napoleonics. Um is that why there's a I know for a fact you have one unit of Ventral <laughs> who might be inspired by a certain <laughs> yeah. sort of character. Yes, I mean we could talk about that because I'm not gonna get into trouble with like uh bosses at head office, but yeah, I I initially um, there was two heads on one on the great swords, one on the outriders. The outrider had a bit more flamboyant head, but it looked a bit like Sean Bean. But the great sword one felt more like Sean Bean. So I did a sergeant, and it was called Sergeant Sharper. Um, and eventually, I converted a guy with a volley gun because I used one of the actual um, outrider volley guns. So he was he was Patrick Harper. Yeah, that yeah. was really sort of like cutting the line there. <laughs> but then I had like a Dan Hagman. I had a guy with ginger hair who was Harris. Then I had a little banner guy who was Perkins. So basically, I just did the chosen men. I used them for kill team originally, but then I made enough to make a unit of veterans and then a unit of specialists, which were all snipers, yeah. uh, which no longer exist in the codex, which makes me really mm, sad. So, sad. yeah, so there's a few things I don't have to tweak in my army, but yes, I, I've made sharps rifles. <laughs> which is wonderful. I love it when people do that. And it's, I remember seeing them and being like, huh, no, okay. <laughs> we've, got, we've got sharps uh, rocking up now. Yeah. Is, um, oh, yeah. Out of all of your eventually nobles, including Richard Sharp, if you or sorry, Sergeant Sharper, as we should say, <laughs> um, do you have a favourite ventrally noble? <laughs> uh, I have two. Uh, my main character, uh, Strom Stromfjord or Stromfeld, which was used in the Glazers Farm uh, Bat Report. Because nice. we basically reenacted what was the Orcs Drift game, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was like the Praetorians versus the Orcs, and we used Ventrilli Nobles versus Dan Hardin's Orcs. Yeah, and I, I made a couple of characters, and I mixed like Cadian bits with some Tempest Scions, and then just used Carl Franz's massive helmet with all the plumes. I really like him because he's so ostentatious. But my second favorite is my uh, you should have. Don't roll a one plasma gunner, which is the two smoking feet. No. Such a simple conversion, <laughs> uh, which I pulled out in the bat report on uh, Warmer Plus because uh, some was like, oh, it'd be really cool if like there was something to represent this guy if he got like melted. I was like, ah, I'm one step ahead of you, Simon. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, Private Smithers, that was. Uh, smithereens, should I say. Private Smithereens. Very good. Uh, um, and I suppose. You know your your love of Napoleonics is not just in form of Ventralian nobles, but I I know in quite a lot you you quite like sort of a lot of 
I'd say rank and file sort of true. Mm. I mean, as you said, you're a speed painter or you started off as a speed painter and you enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but one of your armies, which I've seen, which I'm still blown away by every time I see it, your Cities of Sigmar. Army, oh, yeah. Which yes. is quite an amazing array of colours and, and, well, everything, really. It's uh, How did you get into that? It was interesting. At the time, there was a bit of an uproar and not many people liked the idea of the old world being blown up and not many people getting behind uh, Age of Sigma. And I, I couldn't... I, obviously from being a stepper you have to be positive about it but i also completely sympathize with a lot of people and i was like you know what there's all these different sort of grand alliances what happens if i just because in at that time you could use everything yeah. um and i was like what happens if i just make an army that's a city that all works together that has all these array of different factions in it but they're all unified by the same color scheme because they're from a city yeah. or some kind of like fortress or citadel yeah um and then the next challenge was, how do I make them not look like Empire? Because regardless of how hard you try, the Empire is based off the swing Swiss cantons, which has pretty much every colour combination covered from yes. their medieval outfits and their banners. So you're just like, oh, this is going to be hard. But I found bluey white. So it was like white with like blue uh, nuances to it. So like a blue wash, yeah. sort of like almost like a turquoise, almost blue. And then gold armour um, really helped make it not look like Middenheim or Middenland or potentially Reichland because that can be white with flashes of blue or red or whatever. Okay. So I was like, okay. Um, and then it was initially about an army's on parade thing. So I wanted to go, I want to make an army on parade. We we'll always see these gimmicks where someone's made a massive tree and put two figures on it. Or a lot of the time people put a lot of effort in the board and then there's like one or two figures here and there. So I want to do it a cool board but with a huge army as if it's on its way like when Saruman's delivered his speech to the Urukai it's just like hordes and hordes of soldiers yeah, yeah. and then a guy on the balcony gonna like commands and at that point I was like stormcasting quite elite uh, I want my stormcast to be minimal so there's not many from this particular storm I think I called them the celestial shield but mm -hmm. they, they they refuse to wear their helmets when they're talking to other humans it's only when they go to war they wear the helmet so they've got that human relationship with the warriors mm -hmm. beneath them so I did this Lord Castellant and I thought I'd again go into my Napoleonic wargaming roots I wanted to do like some aid camps around him so I did like a guy hold um stroking his uh griffhound so like the griffhound became like a little scenic base of like a, a warrior human warrior just like yeah. like his groom if you like and then there's another guy holding his helmet there was a bunch of acolytes that surrounded him and i was like that's cool that makes a cool like command balcony then down onwards i'll just do some different units i'll do some dwarfs i'll do some elves i'll do some humans yeah. and then it was all about mixing heads to try and make different aesthetics because the great swords would look very much like Landschneck. No matter how hard you try, they're going to look like Landschneck. So tell you what, I use the hooded heads from the Wildwood Rangers, and I, I still like the look of the Wildwood Rangers with the big blades. I will give them the crown heads that the Eternal Guard have because yeah. it's my army. Do what I want. Um, yeah, and then the weirdest unit was Dark Elf, Dark Elf Spearman, Darkling Coven Spearman, with long beard hammer and axe heads and, and great sword helmets um yeah. so it was like a mix and the, the idea is like in the, the city of sigma i made was the forges aren't just it's like a dwarf forge it might be a dwarf forge an elf forge and a human forge but there's gonna be forges where it's a mixed race kind of thing so it might be an, an elf apprentice and a dwarf master mm -hmm. and they work together and they have different styles so um yeah that's, uh, i just smashed some kits together and again it was like i didn't 
go too mad and go, I'm going to take bits from this random kit that's not included. I literally bought a bunch of boxes and went, I will only use what's within this set of stuff I've got. Yeah. Amongst, but I'll swap it round yeah. uh, from the units, but I'll only use... So like I did some... I got a box of long beards and a box of hammerers um, and then made a mixed unit of those, but made a more long um, uh, iron breakers. Uh, not long beards and hammers, sorry, a box of iron breakers and a box of hammers, and I made them all to look like uh, iron breakers. But then in the iron breaker set, you get like 10 of those guns, uh, the iron drake cannons, and I used those 10 to make handgunners. So I'd like these weird looking steampunk handgunners, like human handgunners with weird dwarf weapons. Um, and then those spare axe heads and hammer heads from the um, long beards then went onto my spearmen, um, yeah. which then became halberdiers. Um, so yeah, I literally just yeah. had a bunch of kits and use what I had and what spares I had. And it became quite popular and people thought that's that's what Age of Sigma should be. That's Age of Sigma. And that's what I want to do was try and like show it a positive light of what you can do yeah. as opposed to being what you're being told to do. Yeah. Um I mean I what I really wanted to do and I was pushing the line a bit and I don't think people were very comfortable with the idea was to do my Daughters of Cain with like ashen skin and white hair, but it was too close to drow. Um, yeah, well, yes, it would be. Yeah, so uh, I was like, ah, oh, because it they, again, you're pushing the boundaries of where you can go, what you can do with them. Um, yeah, so but no, yeah. You're, you're right. I think it's the really nice thing about Age of Sigmar is it still feels like quite free and open, and there is a lot of you know, if you lean into that, there's a lot of potentially you can just have fun yeah. with it. It's oh, yeah, a great deal, you know, it's so much of that um world is unexplored whereas i think one of the drawbacks of the old world is we pretty much knew every nook and cranny of it and you know every mountain yeah. every forest and what yeah, the, there and what they look like and the yeah. only thing we didn't have was zombie pirates at the time and cathay and nippon but yeah. and estilia and probably yeah. the border princes if we're pushing it but yeah. um but there was a few factions we didn't have but we knew they existed and it was only so yeah. far you could go but then after that like you're right it's like where do you go with that um yeah but, and that army is a, a testament to what you can do with, I mean, in a lot of cases, you're saying a, a head swap. Yeah, yeah, head swap, weapon swap, yeah. just nothing overly complicated. I mean, obviously, from my point of view, it didn't feel complicated from someone that's never converted before. It might seem, oh, that's quite, that's yeah, quite hard, yeah. but yeah. I mean, we, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, my first one was putting that plastic power axe onto an Escher. It <laughs> wasn't the best, but... I was proud of it. No, exactly. It's where you start and what, what you have fun with, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, did you have a favourite from your Cities of Sigmar army? Weirdly, it was the most simplest one, and that was the hooded heads on the great swords. It changed the aesthetic of the great swords so much that they looked like warrior monks. Yeah. They ceased to look like Landsnake or Empire, and yeah. I wanted to do more of them. I actually started this old concept of like. I have a realm gate that links to the realm of Azir and the realm of fire. And in the realm of Azir, they wear blue and white and gold and they're a bit more reserved, a little bit more taciturn. Whereas if you get to the realm of fire, they all wear red with red lacquered armor with gold trim, but they're a bit more impetuous, a little bit more aggressive. And I wanted to do this sort of, temple of warrior monks which were my great swords and one half of it is built into the realm of fire and one half of it is built into uh the realm of azir and depend and when you recruited the the master recruiter will be like mm, you seem very impetuous and very sort of aggressive you should go and join the fire side they'll be like yeah. oh so they'll have like different roles on the battlefield like some will be like to protect and hold the line where others will be sent out to to break the line and stuff like that so that was i made up all sorts of stories and background for this this city it was mad 
again that's the the fun that comes with the freedom of age of sigma and um, yeah. as, as we move on I, I suppose you mentioned um this faction very briefly there but i know i just i remember looking at this in awe really um tell me about your daughters of cain mm. and and war cry oh yes yeah of course yeah because i so that weirdly so i've i've had a daughter's of cain army for a while i mixed it with some darkling covens and had like a I, I don't know what I was doing with it at the time, but I just really liked the the Daughters of Cain vibe and making a whole army out of it. And then it became an army of its own right. Yeah. And then Warcry hit, and I didn't really initially gel with Warcry because I think I just didn't get around to playing any games. But the one game I did have, I fell in love with it straight away. And I'd been building up um, a small Daughters of Cain force for it. I was like, I'll just paint a handful. And the colour scheme is like sort of fleshy red skin. Uh, with like black leathers uh dark iron and then the weapons themselves have got like a bit of a bluey tint to it and this all came from so i'm a big fan of red sonia and yeah. with dynamite comics you get like lady death and you get a character called uh purgatory which okay. is a red demon lady with wings and i saw that color scheme and she had like almost cat eyes um yeah. and i was like oh that's quite cool so sometimes you can just like be inspired by a piece of art or a random character from another genre sure. or or whatever so i took that color scheme and one of the things i decided i i knew to do anyway from my experience in the studio was not to highlight the skin with, with pinks or with oranges but with fleshes because then it feels more like an organic matter so i yeah. used um initially bugman's uh, not bugman's red uh, mephiston red as the undercoat so i sprayed the whole lot with mephiston red and then i mixed in a bit of bugman's into mephiston red as like a, a mm. sort of a mid-tone layer and then it was just cadian flesh tone as a final highlight and you look at it you go that's red skin but it looks like flesh and then it was just yeah using like blacks to black out the leathers make some of the iron like really this is almost like iron warriors like really dark iron kind of color yeah. and then it just needed something because it was all quite warm as a palette it needed something cold on it and um having like silver blades and i think i used at the time um the gem paint the blue gem paint soulstone blue which worked quite well but then talisar blue came out which felt a bit better if i thinned it down but yeah. now there's frost art which is even better so i use frost art but yeah. uh but yeah, just it was, and then I started mixing as well, like converting to because it was Warcry. You, you could kind of it felt like Necromunda, but for Age of Sigma. Yeah, and because I had a daughter's a cane army, I found like I'd spare like shoulder pads and bits of armor from the Lucine. I'd spare weapons from the Kaneri. Yeah, random yeah. spare heads here and there. So I started putting like the. Uh, blood sister heads and the uh, the blood stalker heads on like daughters of cane just to give them more of an elite vibe and you get like this breastplate that goes over the Malusi, the uh blood stalkers which are the ones with the glaives and i'll and, I, and if you built the bow armed ones you didn't use that armor that was for the more heavily armored fighty ones yeah. so i was like i've got some spare breastplates here so i started sticking those on daughters of cane and it just changed everything uh for the vibe and i was like I don't have witch elves and Malusite and Kinera. I now have different layers of witch elves. So it's like the normal witch elves and then maybe the bodyguard and maybe the handmaidens and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, and then again, I developed a whole background for this Hag of Alkir, uh temple I made up because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah. Well, why not? It's, uh, it sounds like you get a, a real enjoyment from that storytelling part. Oh of yeah. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it only need like a piece of text or like in Warcry there was a the Bloodwind sport had one little thing called Lost Valorum and it said uh, ruined order city. That's all I needed. That's yeah. all I needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, I remember your bookshelves as well. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I've got so much more I want to do with that. I, I, I 
started building like banquet halls because we started doing the stuff for Twitch where we started. I, I did like a couple of um, felt like choose your own adventure kind of games where I because yeah. it was all remote gaming over lockdown. Uh, I started adding extra terrain and stuff and like. I'd use like a little box, had my webcam, so it was over the shoulder. And I started making like puzzle rooms, um, arenas. Yeah. I made a crypt. I even did Undead Daughters of Cain. So I used like skeleton warriors and gave them like tiaras and like weapons from the Daughters of Cain. So yeah, if you nice. managed to go into the crypt, because you got to the end of the corridors, I'd be like, right, do you turn left or do you turn right? Yeah. And then they, they, the rest of the presenters were like, ooh, uh, Right, I was like, oh, are you sure you want to go right? Because it smells a bit decayed down there. And that's where the, the, the catacombs would be. And then you'd have to fight against undead yeah. uh, doors of cane and stuff. So, yes, but the bookshelves, uh, they were fun. Yes. Enjoyed making those quite I easy seem, to do. Seem to remember you had the Warcry book on the bookshelves. Well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a flex. Yeah. Uh, I, also, I also had a mini Warcry game in Warcry. So I'd made like a little yeah. small. So I used my board idea and then made a little board of my board. Yeah, that's that's inception right there for you. Yeah, nice. Um have you have you got a favourite Daughters of Cain model that you've worked on? Uh I think um it was because I did a bunch in this uh red scheme of the black, but I also did which I think was nicer and I should have did more to it, but I did a small Warcry warband or skirmish warband using the Cities uh, of Sigma colour scheme I did, which was the gold, the blue, and the white. Yeah. And uh, they had like golden hair, like yellowy hair, and they had like white robes with blue or wh- white boots, sorry. So they had the big thigh high boots, but they're white and their gloves were white, but their yeah. loincloths were blue. And then all their armor and any like metals were gold. And they looked like goodies. They looked like She Ra, but then I flicked blood splatters on them. So there was almost like this manicness mm-hmm. to them as well. So it's like they look pure, they look good, they look like Valkyries, but at the same time, you don't want to get near them because they're probably going to murder you and take your heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think they were my favorite. There was a conversion where I got the Hag Queen from the uh, the Cauldron of Blood. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, how I got hold of it. It was a, I think it must have been a wizard, a hand holding a skull. Uh, so she's got like a dagger in one hand, a hand holding a skull, and then one of the. Um, blood stalker helmet so it's like a citizen of slaughter helmet but with like two sort of snake sets of horns on it and it just looked really cool and i was like i think that's my favorite one nice simple head swap and arm swap yeah yeah um no that's wonderful too now i think it's uh, a high time we we moved away from warhammer to something a little bit more recently um that i've been very much admiring on your instagram account uh peachy tips which are, we will link <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh it, it, i'll give a proper shout out in the intro and the outro of this how have you been enjoying star wars legion oh, that is was such a surprise to me so this came around and it was all by accident so my wife has a friend at work who's retired now and he likes to dress up as Darth Vader. He's very into Star Wars. Yeah, She's right. like, I want to get him a really nice birthday present. I can't remember if it was retirement present or birthday present now, but it was uh, near near the end of lockdown kind of time. Yeah. And she was like, do you know have any like, cool Star Wars things? Would you be able- I'll pay you. I was like, you're not going to pay me. You're my wife. It's, <laughs> same, it's going to the same household. It makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, she was like, well, it would be really cool if you could like if there were some models. And I was like, well, I know steve my mates into star wars legion so i had a look and there was a, uh, a distributor called dark star miniatures which is really sort of competitive and elegant games are as well yeah. so i went to dark star and i had a scroll through and there was like some stormtroopers and the darth vader i was like i'll order a box of stormtroopers order a darth vader nice. 
started painting them and my god i fell in love straight away i actually didn't want to give him the set because i made a little diorama of like these seven stormtroopers with darth vader i even did some osl from his lightsaber onto his uh black robes nice. um and i and then after i gave it and i made a scenic base and like give it a glass topper and stuff She's like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. I was like, he's going to love it. I was like, cool. I was like, just to let you know, because I loved him so much, I've also ordered loads of figures. Because <laughs> I, di- I didn't know they were that good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got an Empire Army and I've got a clone uh, army. Oh, nice. The Empire Army, I was being a bit lazy. I went down the Shadow Core, if you like. So I did like Shadow Troopers, Shadow Scouts, mm-hmm. Shadow Guards. So it's the Emperor's Guard, but with black. It's the Scouts, but with black. It's the Stormtroopers, but with black. Then, of course, they did the Death Troopers from Rogue One. So I was like, oh, I'll get those. Um, and then there's a load of 3D printers out there. So I've done like some Death Star Troopers, some Navy Troopers. Cool. Uh, so I've got a whole, I've recently got the the, the box set because it was on cheaper Amazon. So I was like, I just get some more Stormtroopers and loads of cool things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I saw some clones and I was like, you know what? Let's have a look at the clones. So I, I ordered a set of the uh, Phase 2 clone troopers and a set of the ARC troopers. And yeah. they were they were multi-part plastic. So they weren't this sort of soft plastic, which where you just like plug two arms together with like yeah. a e- E11 blaster. Um, they were multi-part, felt like a Perry mm. or like a Citadel uh, set. And mm. they were so clean and crisp. And I always liked the Kashyyyk sort of uh, 41st Elite Corps camo scheme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know that they have phase two troopers in that scheme, but you, in the movie, you tend to see them mostly as the scout troopers. So I was like, how would I paint really quickly a load of these guys so I could play a game against like Steve or my mates? And I just found that spraying them Death Guard green, I'll probably end up doing a video on it, and then using sponge chipping to do the camo. So I sponged brown, like Mornfang brown all over this green, and then sponged a load of like war boss uh, or war, war flesh, yeah, war flesh all over. And then just washed the whole lot with Militarm green, picked out any black details, picked out the guns. And I looked at it, I was like, they look like the 41st Elite Corps. And there was a bit of artistic license here and there because I did like, like Gree has like um, black boots. His boots are painted black all the way up to like the knee. And just, right. they, look like, they look like boots. So I was like, I quite like that, but I'll do like dark green. So I've just mm-hmm. picked a different battalion or a different company um that you may yeah. not have seen in the movie uh because you can do that and of course yeah and the game system oh my god what a simple rule set it's like yeah. a pamphlet for the rules which you can get free you can download free nice. but everything you need to know comes in the box that you buy you get tokens you get your data card and you get upgrade cards and some of those upgrade cards are universal you can swap between a bit like underworlds with like some of the um upgrade cards and whatever yeah. uh but Everything you need to know is on that card and it tells you everything you need to know. Sometimes there's like the odd special rule, which is like steady and it might be in the section, the little pamphlet rule book, but mm. the rule system is so fluidic. It's easy to get to grips. If I'd never played up to this point, just built an army and within like turn one of playing against my mate, Steve, I was like, yeah, this is great. Love yeah. It. So simple. It's like, yeah, you roll these amount of dice. Cause it says that's how many color diamond dice, red diamond dice and how many white diamond dice you roll. Yeah. yeah. you got some hits. Do those guys stop it? No, they're dead. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Star Wars Legion. I haven't. I've got a bit mad. I've got like a whole shelf down to the uh, left no, of me full of like. There's the drop ship. There's the support ship. Oh, there's God. a bunch of Wookies. I want to do some Wookies to go back uh, to sheet guys. So you, you mentioned the Wookies. That was during lockdown uh, when I would sort of me and some friends would do Friday night drinks um, on via Zoom or. Um, mm google meets or whatever and pretend we're in the pub because everyone was so depressed that they couldn't be in the pub <laughs> on a friday of course yeah yeah and um 
we we went through a bunch of game systems where we'd just be like, oh, have you seen these? And you'd be like, oh yeah, I'll get some of those. And you know, my my favourite one was Oathsworn miniatures and their um, badges and burrows. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah, dresses and things. But someone mentioned Star Wars Legion, and I was like, yeah, I'm not. You know, I, I'm not going to paint a load of stormtroopers. I can't be bothered. It's just it would be boring. And then they went, you know, they've good. They've just done Wookies. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, yeah. And then and there's a Chewbacca, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'm buying all. Of them. <laughs> it's even I better have... now. You've got like the Wookie gunship and or like the little skiff thing, and then there's plastic Wookies now. Don't tell me that. I've got. I've, I've, <laughs> I'm trying to budget, Peachy. And the plastic Wookies, you get options to build them with different weapons. Um, so, I know you can make an army of Wookies. I'm just that's saying. Just that. That's a dream come true. <laughs> Chewbacca is my spirit animal anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I've got them all unpainted, but they're all ready to go at some point. And uh, yes, maybe this will be the year that I actually paint my Wookiees. Well, in the plastic yeah, Wookiee said, uh, you get a bunch of unit cards. You can do them as like um, the Galactic M, um, the Re- Republic, or you can do them as the Rebel Alliance. So, you, you oh, know, okay. the rules don't really change. You just get different data mm. cards. And I think maybe some weapon options are different. Yeah. Uh, but you get a bunch of cards in there for different, depending on which era you're playing. But you also can build one of them as a Wookiee commander. And if you have the Wookiee commander in Star Wars Legion, you get command cards uh, and then you can use those. And the command cards for the Wookiees are great because normally it might be like Krennic, go in, uh, rouse the garrison or deploy yeah. the garrison or or concentrate or fire here. With the Wookiees, it's... <laughs> so you have to say that when you do yeah, the order. So you should, yes. Yeah. Excellent. I'm not I love it. Shout because I can only do a Wookiee impression quite loudly. So I'm going to use the microphone now. But um uh, well, it's wonderful to you having a lot of fun with that. Do you have a favourite of the Star Wars stuff that you've worked on? Is it that Darth Vader or is it something else? Ooh, I th- oh, that's tricky because I've been playing. I've, I actually painted up Rex. I quite like how I've done Rex. Yeah. Um, but I think the favourite one I did was for the channel. For um, We did like a basic clone trooper and then I did the 501st markings for YouTube yeah. but on our Patreon which is Patreon only yeah. there's two colour schemes which are the Coruscant Guard which are the red ones uh, which yeah. are like the, the Emperor's bodyguards and also yeah. Obi-Wan's lads which are the 212th battalion and I can't I, I have to flip a coin because I quite like both of the red and the yellow ones for different right. reasons uh, I didn't think I'd like Obi-Wan's but I actually enjoy painting those but the, the flashes of red on the yeah. um Coruscant Guard just look amazing. So weirdly, it's the one Coruscant Guard guy I painted, which is my favourite one. And I think I'm, when I get some more Phase 2 Stormtroopers, I'm going to do them all in white. Because originally, I didn't want to do them all in white. And I found a really easy way to paint white. So I was like, cool, I'm going to do some more. And I might, I'm going to, I'm, I'm probably getting carried away now. I might do the, I forget what the battalion's called, but Ashoka's lot, where they paint all the helmets oh, orange with Ashoka yeah. Tano's markings. So I might do a bunch of those as well. Yeah, sweet. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying a bit of Star Wars. Yeah. Is there, have you since uh, you can talk about this stuff now? I suppose. Um, have you found any other game systems that you're particularly enjoying of late? Oh, there's loads. I mean, um, I recently played uh, Dave uh, Andrews. He does a lot of historical stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but I went to his house and played some Civil War. I forget the rule system now for the life of me. I keep wanting to say Sharp's Practice, but it's not Sharp's Practice. It's a different. That's a good rule set anyway. But yeah. it's. It's a bit like Black Powder. I love Black Powder's rule system, which is great for Napoleonics and any Black Powder era game, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I just played as Confederates against his union and it was just really easy to get to grips with. Within like a turn, I, again, I was just like, oh yes, I need this amount of dice. He had all the charts and all the information with him, but it was just easy yeah. to pick up. Nice. Uh, I've not played it yet, but I got uh, He-Man Battlegrounds, which looks a bit like how Underworld plays. Yeah, yeah. And they've done some upgrade sets, but yeah, I just want to get He-Man painted and Skeletor because yeah. they're mega. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's all sorts of game systems. Some I need to try, some I've not tried. Um, but for the most part, um, I think anything skirmish-based uh, is my bag at the minute, just doing small squads here and there, which is nice. why I quite like Legion, because you can make it as big or as small as you like. There's no sort of obligation to, like, you must have this amount of figures in your army. It's like, if you want a small game, just have two units and a character. Want a big game? Four units and a character. Want a huge game? Eight units and a character. Yeah. It's up to you. Nice. Good. Well, that's excellent. Now... Let's move on to something you've been working on very recently. Mm. Um, you've returned to your spiritual home of the, the <laughs> Astra Militarum. How yes. are you getting on with the new Cadians? Uh, at first, I was a bit sort of like, oh, they're different. I'm not sure if I like this. I don't like change like any hobbyist would because yeah, we yeah, don't like change. No, no. Uh, and then we got a set for work. So we put a poll out on YouTube, which was to say, hey, I'm going to get this set of Cadians and I'm going to show 10 different regiments. I've picked five I want to do. Hey, community, tell me ones you'd like to see and then I'll pick the majority from the list in the comments. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, at the same time, I want to do the 122nd City Fight Colour Scheme. So weirdly, we're doing two videos. We're doing a video which is can I paint this army in 12 hours? Right. Um, So I've gone mad and decided to paint the Urban Camo Scheme from the city fight front cover if anyone ever remembers oh. city fight yeah uh, the court um battle of vogan it was a carl kapinski piece of art i think yeah, yeah uh, i think so yeah so i've got one set of astra militarum uh Cadia standard box sets two painters an army of urban camo guys uh i've got 12 hours to do it four hours of that was building it so i've only got eight hours oh, to paint God. it <laughs> and i'm and, I, and i'm six hours in now so i've got six hours left so we're just i've been stopping recording and carrying on uh yeah so that's been going, that's fun. Uh, I know what I'm doing with that. But the other one was something I really was passionate about was doing different regiments. And yeah. I know in the new year, I'll, I've got another thing I'm going to talk, talk to you about in a minute as well, which is mm-hmm. I, I think by the year is going to be Astro Militarum related. Right. I it might happen. So with this video, we're going to do 10 regiments. So it'll be a whole video with 10 regiments. I've picked the Necromundan Spiders, which were the classic I mean, Imperial Guard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fairly straightforward, just like what the only thing I've done differently is I've given them a ganger head, uh, oh, one cool. of the outcast heads. So it's like they're recruited from Necromunda. I want, I want, I want to feel the vibe of Necromunda. So he's chucked his helmet off and he's got like a bit of a Escher kind of hairstyle. It's kind of a gender fluid kind of face. So I might paint it as a female uh, and just treat it as like an Escher that got put into prison and then given two options die or join the army. Yeah. Um, so I've got. Necromunda Spiders, there is the Vresh Grenadiers, which look a bit like the Cadian 8s, but they have like Thunderhawk blue armour. Right. Um, I was going to do Ventrilli Nobles. Uh, okay. Tanith says a couple of things here where I'm doing some stretching, having a bit yeah. of a stretch. So the Tanith, I want to say, using your plastic Cadians, how easy is it to make them look like Tanith without going mad with conversions? And I've done a couple of tests, which will be... You can use any heads you want. Find any bear heads. If you've got Tempest Sands, use the beret heads from there. If you've got any other random heads, Cadian bear heads. It looks better with bear heads, but you can do them with helmets if you want to. Yeah. Just file off maybe the Imperial Eagle and just have it as like a domed black helmet. Yeah. But I've 
because they all have back there's three in the cadian sets that don't have backpacks because it depends what build you want to do if you want to do flamers or a normal guy or yeah. a vox caster or a normal guy so as opposed to being cheeky and going i'm going to use this guy without a backpack on i'm going to go with the majority of the models which are ones wearing rucksacks and how would you make a cape with someone wearing a rucksack and i've, I've gone down the mandalorian route when he wears his jetpack which is to have it slightly slung over the side which is what i call battle dress so when they're not sneaking around they just have it slung to the side so it's not getting in the way because we know what happens with superheroes when they get capes trapped indoors they die um so you know uh so yeah i've been converting with like using masking tape for that i want to do a talon desert raider using masking tape to make a headdress using the cape again trying to keep everything within the set so if you get a helmet and you cut it down a bit and just get some masking tape and wrap it around. Can you make a Talon Desert Raider? Yes, you can, because I've proven it. A nice. Mordian Iron Guard, Mordian Iron Guard. If you build the set and mm. you choose not to give the sergeants and any well, any sergeants or officers the forage sort of cloth cap. Yeah. And you save those, you will get 15 heads that have that hat that you could probably do a squad of 10 and a command squad of Mordians. Yeah, you just need nice to get others from friends or from bits or whatever. So yeah. across a couple of sets, you might actually be able to, to make a, a platoon of Mordians. So I painted that up. They're in battle dress, as I call it. So they've got all black armor on. So that's worked. I want to do miasmin red cows again. Could you just easily make a cow? Or do you need to get like, if you did Vanguard, Skitari, could you do ranger heads on them instead to make their miasmin red cows? Yeah. There's Praetorians. Uh, Vostroians is my favourite because someone was like I would love to see how you turn these guys into Vostroians I know they don't have the long coats Mm -hmm. uh, so I've like it's probably not going to be Vostroian firstborn it'll be a Vostroian regiment but paint them in the same colour scheme because they have got tunics on so it's not as long but using clump foliage Um, gluing it to their their helmet and then just using a knife or scissors to shape it has worked really well Uh, so uh, I've done that and there's a couple more which my brain won't allow me to register uh, for some stupid reason but oh Praetorians uh, again it's very similar to the uh, Venturini Nobles just painted slightly different Um, and there's a couple of us which I can't remember off the top of my head oh Blood Pact was one someone was like I want to see how you do Blood Pact the only issue I've got with that is how to make the snarly face. And part of me is for ease to paint the face gold and drill out the eyes a bit so it looks like a mask. Okay. Um, yeah. And then just chisel away at the armor so it looks a bit battered. Um, but you mm. might as well. I mean, if you want to use your cadence to do blood pack, cool. But you're better off using the blooded. Uh, yeah. yeah. And the uh, the Chaos Cultist. But I'm doing it anyway because that's what about five people asked for. So I was yeah. going through the list of like the majorities and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's quite a few fun schemes in there of like just using the, the plastic that comes in the set and maybe some household stuff you might have lying around like masking tape or whatever. Uh, and then, John, in the new yeah. year, what I'm going to do is I did a scheme for this uh, this Noble Vember, which was using Osland and making it into a Ventrillion Noble. And I called them the Oslandia Lightfoot. And I really like them. They have like black tunics with red piping. Uh, the Ventrillion style armor, which is black, like an armor with gold trim and white trousers. And I really like them. And I think I'm going to do an army of them. But at the same time, because I've got the old third edition, second edition um, Imperial Guard Codex, I might yeah, do classic funny. classic Cadians and also do that Mordian army. I was just mentioning Brilliant. because I've got enough heads. I might just do new Mordians. Well, Mordians. why not? 2023 is going to be your year of... Yeah. 
Absolutely. Send them all out. <laughs> I'll have a yeah. huge army before I know it. <laughs> yeah, you will, I'm sure. Especially the rate you paint, definitely. <laughs> Getting old now, so I'm cutting corners more. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, okay, Peachy, we've taken up so much of your valuable time. Thank you very much for doing this. I've got two questions that I ask all of my guests on this podcast. <laughs> um, and I dread to think your reaction to the first question, but we'll Uh-oh. find out. Peachy, what's your favourite paint? Ooh, ah, easy. Black Legion, oh. without a doubt. Black Legion. That Black as I, before that, I would have said I would have I would have been tossing between Retributor Armor and Incubi Darkness. I like Incubi Darkness. I used it a lot for like my uh, Citizen Sigma. Yeah. Retributor Armor is a very good gold. It's, um, I'd say arguably amongst one of the best golds out there. But then yeah. you know, AK have some good golds. Black Legion, right? So I've been painting this 122nd today i've also used it on loads I've, i don't I, think, I don't think there's a video where i've not used it and you can thin it down so it's great as a wash right sometimes when you thin it down so i i uh thinned it down a little bit when i was doing these these caning guys and because you've got like a bluey gray under color it yeah. covers really well but pulls away like a contrast wood to give you nice natural highlights but it also straight from the part is i would say better than the black base paints because it covers better so in some of my early videos where I'd splodged a bit of red, I just used Black Legion on like where the guns were going to be or the boots would be. And in one coat, one coat of a contrast, yeah. it removed any other colour. You couldn't see it. So it's really good for base coating, really good for contrast, really good for shading and thinning down and doing whatever you want with it. Um, it is an amazing paint. And I think if I was to take a selection of paints to a desert island, that would be among the first in the box. Wow. See, I'm um it's lovely to hear your your sermon on um on that particular paint, but I usually quite enjoy torturing my guests with that question. So I'm disappointed <laughs> you found it so easy. Oh um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I, I'll live with it. Um uh final question then. If you could paint any miniature next, and it really could be anything, it could be one that doesn't even exist yet and is just in your head, or or one that you could go and pick up off the shelves tomorrow, if you could paint anything just for you. What would you like to paint next? Anything just for me would be to paint, I think, three Beskar uh, Mandalorian. Because uh, no. I like him in his silver garb, but I also like the early sort of first two episodes where he's got that kind of like brown tone as well. I know it's brown, yeah. but I really fancy like all the little markets. No, actually, as much as I like him, Sabine Wren. Yeah. Sabine right. Wren uh, from Rebels because she has so much colour on her yeah. and I, I think that would be a nice little test and stretch of like doing small owl designs and doing lots of little checkered patterns and all sorts of a weird flamboyant colour schemes on a tiny little 28mm figure <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, so, well uh, I, I'm very pleased to hear that and obviously you can go and get those ones relatively easily So yeah, I think I might even have her in the shop <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, that's good. That's. Uh, I always remember there was a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon years ago. It was someone, uh, Calvin asks Hobbes, what, what would you wish for if you had one wish? And Hobbes says, a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> like, I was like, that's stupid. I, I wish for a rocket car or a million dollars or all this stuff. And the last panel is Hobbes eating a sandwich going, I got my wish. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you already got it that's a great wish to that, to... that is true yeah I mean I'd wish for hindsight that's what I'd wish for but, yeah. <laughs> um, this has been wonderful thank you ever so much for coming on to the show thank you John it's, it's been a really nice chat I enjoyed chatting to you and reminiscing again and you know I missed I missed you when you left uh, workshop but it's glad to, to see yeah. you again and we should make it a regular thing I'd like yeah, to talk to you know, more it would be nice to see a bit more of you but yes we'll uh, we'll We'll work something out. But um, Peachy, thank you very, very much for walking us through your life in miniatures. Thank you very much for having me. Well, there you go, friends. Uh, That was wonderful. That was amazing. Uh, Loved chatting to Peachy again. Um, Really took me back to uh, a few years ago now when occasionally I would go on and hang out and paint with um, Peachy and... uh, the other painting presenters uh, at Games Workshop. Um, and, you know, he's got such a wonderful knowledge of the hobby. He's very creative. He's got that. It, there's never anything that can't be done with Chris Peach. If, if he thinks, oh, wouldn't it be really cool if we could do that? He'll work out a way to do it, right? And that's a wonderful sort of positive, inspiring presence to have in your life. And it was uh, it was so nice to chat to him again there and uh what a great conversation uh and i'm glad he's enjoying star wars and i do still need to get my wookie on um which sounds far dirtier than you think now uh as mentioned in the intro um if you are looking to find peachy these days you can find him on the painting phase on youtube i very much urge you to go and subscribe to that channel it's full of hobby goodness and you'll have a lot of fun uh, and if you want to see some of the miniatures we've been talking about, you can go back through his Instagram feed. Uh, but you need to go to Peachy Tips, uh, which, by the way, if you're not from the UK uh, or another country where PG Tips is sold as a, a brand of tea, um, I always thought Peachy was a Yorkshire tea man, but maybe he is a, a PG Tips um, uh, subscriber, I don't know what you know. Fan, can you be a fan of tea? I suppose you can. Uh, anyway, it's uh, if you search for P E A C H Y T I P S uh, on Instagram, you'll find him, Chris Peach. That's who you want. Uh, yeah, so that was great. And um, now we're into that waffly bit of the intro. Uh, not intro, outro. We already did the intro. Um, I literally did the intro seconds ago. For you, it's been about an hour if you've listened to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you can expect another show next week, which would be great. Uh, I, it's already recorded. In fact, I'm going to go and do the editing on it now uh, so that it's already. And I just have to click publish on Saturday. And I'm doing it Saturdays at the moment. I know, I think I used to do Sundays last season, but I thought maybe give you the whole weekend, you know, because then if you're doing your hobby on your Saturday, you can listen to this and hobby along. Um, anyway, totally rambling, waffling. Uh, yeah, we've got a great show for you next week. Don't forget to, uh, whether you're listening to this on Apple, Google, Audible, Spotify, or wherever else, if you subscribe, follow, bookmark, tick the check sign, whatever it is, uh, you'll make sure that you won't miss an episode when we're not doing these weekly later on in the year when they're a bit more spaced out. Uh, if you want to, it's up to you, of course, but uh, I'll let you. I'll let you make the call on that if you like and happy hobbying enjoy yourself have fun uh lick your paintbrush and uh be excellent to each other 
see you next week on My Life in Miniatures.